Anyway, it really is good to be back in the pulpit, and uh, it is it's such a privilege, friends. We serve a God that is absolutely incredible. Wasn't this morning just liberating? You know, the theologically, theologically, love is like an, uh, uh, an open Jordan. Theologically, it's actually Jesus is like an open Jordan. Because the love of God expressed itself in the form of a man to come and set us free and open the way that we can walk into an inheritance. It's absolutely profound, friends. And uh, we've got to keep reminding ourselves because what happens is we forget. And we just got to keep reminding ourselves that God has opened the way for us. We, God's opened the way for us. Jesus, we go on the, on the back of Jesus, on the, on the life uh, burial, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus into an open Jordan with him behind us, with him for us, never against us, friends, even where it feels like he's not there. He's always for us. And uh, we've just got to keep reminding ourselves of these things. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Thanks to the team. And can I just also say that song was written by Brandon and Co. So that's a homegrown song, that. And I'm so excited that we're starting to sing our homegrown songs because prophetically that's what God's spoken to us and now we're actioning it and putting it into play. And it's amazing, that was written when we did a series in Joshua a number of years ago. Now it's becoming kind of this prophetic anthem, I feel, for us as we move forward. Anyway, just before I, before I preach, I, went, I felt this, I was walking to the toilet this morning, sorry for the details, but... And as I looked across, I saw this empty stand here with no projector, as you'll see. If you, know, if you notice, we, one of the projectors haven't working, not working. Anyway, so, and, and the reason why that's not working is that there was a surge to the motherboard, and the motherboard stops work, stopped working. And as I, as I was walking past, I felt God say, pray for the motherboards. So what I'd like to do is I'd pr- I ask all the moms to stand up. You know a motherboard is that piece of equipment between the power coming in and the thing being done that without the motherboard, even though the laser's working, the projector can't work. The motherboard is so key because it's the thing that everything connects to in order for there to be proper function. And I want to say moms are so key, and especially now we're sending kids to school getting ready and this and that, so key to the proper function of the family and proper function of the body of Christ. And so I'd just like to take the opportunity to just pray God's blessing over moms. So Father, I, I pray for every single mom here, Lord. Whether they've got small kids, whether they've got grown kids, whether they've got grandchildren now, Lord God. I just pray that they would continue to be that motherboard, that interactive between the power of God and the function of family, Lord God. Between the power of God and the function of the body of Christ, Lord And I pray that you would endow them, that you'd fill them, that you'd clothe them, that you'd inspire them, that you'd give them strength, that you'd give them courage. I pray that you'd give them energy. Father, I just thank you, Father, for the mothers in this church, in this city. And we ask you to bless them, Lord God. I pray even now there'd be a a, a surge of power, Lord God. Not that would blow them up, but would increase them into full function, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Bless you guys. Thank you. Fantastic. So we are in a bit of a mini-series in our bigger series of Holy, 
And uh, we've got to remember holy. When we say holy, often people think holy, oh, cheapest, that's not, we can't be holy because only God's holy. And we talk about moral holy and we, we kind of, it's, it hasn't, it's got to be re, um, that word's got to be worked on in our minds, holy. Because God calls us to be a holy people. And saints literally mean holy ones, which is what we called in the, in the, in the scriptures. And what we've come to understand about this word holy is it's not just moral perfection, which it does include, but it's the sense of being other than. God is completely other than any other being in the universe by the fact that he only one God created. Only, there's only one creator. So by, by virtue of the fact that he is creator and nobody else and nothing else is, he is holy. That's one aspect of his holiness. And so we're trying to understand this thing of holy. What does it mean to be a holy people? We've got to be different. We've got to be other. And what we've done is we spoke about hospitality and how hospitality comes from the word philozenia, to love strangers. So there's a holiness in hospitality. There's an otherness to the church when it comes to strangers and when it comes to others, people that are different to us. Because there's this hospitality, this, there's this welcome, there's this invite, there's this love for strangers and love for others that comes under this word, hospitality. And when you talk about hospitality, you think about the table. You think about the table and how we function around tables. And I think largely, the church in general has lost the table when it gained the pulpit. So what it became is the pulpit was your thing and that was your ministry, but we've only got one pulpit, but we've got many tables in the church. And actually much of the ministry, it, it's not either or, it's both and, we're meant to have moments of pulpit time where we minister to a congregation, it brings us back into line, we worship together, there's something there that helps us and takes us forward. But actually most of the ministry and the life of the early church happened around the table with the people of God, with the saints, with the holy ones. Hence, we've got holy table. It's a holy, this is a table that's like no other. And we've spoken about the, 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 the Lord's table, the, the communion table. Before I continue, Eric Ray, where are you? Please stand. This man, you will not believe it, but he turned 70 yesterday. I honestly, when he said he's turning 70, I thought, no ways. I would have pegged him at like 60. Unbelievable. But Eric, you know what? You have been an unbelievably faithful part of this church for years and years and years. Always sitting there. Just, I, I just want to honor you and say, well done. Thank you. You're an unbelievable blessing. And we wish you greater and greater blessings as you move into your 80s and 90s. I mean, but are you going to hit the 100 mark? I'm pretty sure you will. And you'll still look like you're 70, you know? But bless you and thank you. Sorry, I was going to forget that if I didn't jump in there. So the holy table, and we spoke about the Lord's table and all that that means and why Jesus put that meal together. And the Lord's table was a meal. So we've been looking at this thing called the holy table. How do we as a church minister around our tables? Friends, if we want to change the city, get them around your table. We can invite them to church. That's amazing. But, but coming to a meeting and coming to an engagement like this, a, a, 
Remember, this is not a service. You're not getting served here. You're participating here. That's the church. The church is not, you don't come to a meeting to get served. You come to a meeting to participate in and throw what God's put in on you, put on you into and be part of. And part of that is you feel, sometimes you feel like you absolutely got nothing to give. That's the moment when you receive. And other times you feel strong and that's the time when you're praying for people and prophesying over people and helping others. That's, that's the church. So we, we want to be this church that takes the city and one of the vehicles God's given us that is the table. This very powerful moment of hospitality, of loving and expressing our love for strangers and, and family and friends around the table. So I want to look at Luke chapter 14. I want to look at Luke chapter 14 this morning. This is a moment where Jesus has Saturday lunch with some people. It's a moment where he has lunch with some leaders of the Pharisees. Remember, the Pharisees didn't like Jesus that much because he was challenging their, their, their tradition and challenging their belief system and challenging their, kind of freaking them out a bit. And so they had lots to say about him. It's incredible to see however Jesus is eating with them. Must have been a little bit of a difficult lunch on Saturday. Remember, it's Sabbath on Saturday as well. So Jesus is there sitting with them. That's the context of this. So let's, let's get to it. Luke chapter 14. This is the ESV. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Jesus was always being scrutinized. Which means you and I will always be watched carefully. People want to see, you say you're a Christian. Oh yes, okay, let's check. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. Dropsy is uh, what we would know today as edema. It's kind of your, your skin and your tissues full with fluid. So he's very puffed up and kind of looking a bit swollen. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? It's like Jesus is in difficult company and he just goes straight at it, straight in. Do you think it's, it's lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Because obviously on the Sabbath, there were certain things you were allowed to do, certain things you were not allowed to do. And part of it was you weren't allowed to work. You weren't allowed to exert yourself because you were saying, God, this is your day. It's your exertion, not my exertion kind of thing. And so they used to argue as you could do this, you could walk so far, you could pick this up and you couldn't pick that up. And kind of there's all these laws that the, the Pharisees got into trying to be holy. And, um, but they remained silent. You know, when the, you know when the team that's criticizing you remains silent, you've kind of got the drop on them. He took, them, took him, then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And said to them, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? They could not reply to these things. So he brings the guy to him and he heals him. You know, you know what fascinates me about that? There's no fanfare when Jesus heals somebody. So much of the healing movement in today's church comes with weirdness, fanfare, and brings people to bring attention to you rather than, it almost sounds like he just says, be healed, and he sends them out. I'm saying, God, I want to see your healing power in the middle of the church, not on the outskirts and the peripheries of what we do. And part of it is it's just so part of Jesus' normal day that when he heals, he just lets them go. Friends, I want to be part of a group of people 
where the power of God is so evident amongst us with physical healing. Remember, this guy was swollen, so people must have seen he was healed. The swelling instantly went down. This was miraculous. And he sends him out. Lord, please, help us to be that kind of people. Just the word, be healed. No fanfare, no special this and that, just authentic power, Jesus' hand is on my hand when I pray for healing. Love it. Absolutely love that. And then he says to them, he answers, because they keep him quiet, he says to them, listen, you know, if you have an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath, the law says you're allowed to go and take that animal out and rescue it. And basically he's saying, how much more somebody that is sick, of course you should be healing on the Sabbath. It wasn't about rules and regulations, it was about God. And about people. And so kind of he brings a big, a big adjustment to them as they begin to, I mean this is how he kind of opens the, the, um, the, the conversation at the meal. You've got to know that it's going to get a little bit tense now. Then he goes on. Table skill number one. Sorry, before I move on. Don't be spiritually weird around your table. Don't be spiritually weird. People don't understand that stuff. I don't understand that stuff. Just be yourself. You have resurrection power that resides within you. You don't need to be anything fancy. You don't need to be hallelujah out. People are like, whoa, what? No, friends, when, you, when we act like that, it brings attention to you, not to Jesus. Express your faith in an authentic way. And if God says be loud, because that's, I'm not saying you've got to be obedient to what God's doing, but friends, let's not be spiritually weird. When we're around the table with people, people that don't know Jesus, they don't know anything you're talking about. Running around and walking, we're going to walk now. What is that? People are like, what is that? These acts are walking around the church. Prophetic act. They've got to still learn that. But don't be weird. We've got to do what God says and prophetically do and step out. But friends, let's not be people that freak other people out because of our weirdness. Jesus is weird enough as it is. It's like, really? We don't, like, let's not offend people with our actions, rather with our kind of ways. Rather, let's let the truth of Jesus come to them in authentic manners and ways. Anyway, the next part of this little text is in verse 7. Now he told a parable to those who invited. So he speaks to the lawgivers, first part. He speaks to the, the experts in the law and the Pharisees. He's putting his little two cents in there. So it's not this little wimp that's cowering in the corner. He's there. But he's just expressing who he is in love. The next part it says here, verse 7, now he told a parable to those who have invited. So now he's talking to the guests. So he's spoken to the Pharisees and the religious. Isn't it incredible? I keep having these little rabbit trails in my mind. Isn't it amazing? Religious people are rigid on things when it comes to other people, but rubbery on things when it comes to them. Ah, you can't do that. 
But for you, yeah, it's a bit of a gray area, you know. Friends, let's not be religious. You can't impress people with how pious you are. Don't impress God with how pious you are. God sees directly into our hearts and knows exactly what's happening. Let's not be religious. Let's not be weird around the table, and let's not be religious around the table. People are going to come around your table and flook. Hey, we don't swear in our house, please. You know, just, listen guys, just, we, we've got to know how to manage that. Hey, there might be kids there, there's all sorts of context there. But just, we, we've got to know, this is, don't be religious. Jesus loves, Jesus died for the whole world. Even that person that does not yet know him, remember that. Anyway, when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, he spoke to the invited, he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you were invited to someone to a wedding, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited both of you will come and say, give your place to this person, and then you'll begin with shame to take the lowest place. So where you sat in Jesus' day, very important. The host, and the closer you were to the host, the more important you were. It was kind of the way the culture worked. Now Jesus is coming and challenging that thing. And he's saying to those that are invited, listen, don't just go and assume that you're the most important person in the room and go and sit next to the host. Because if there's somebody that's more important that comes, the host's going to come to you and say, please, would you mind just moving down a little bit? And you're going to have the walk of shame. And everybody's like, oh, check this guy. I thought he was so fancy. But when, you've, when you're invited, go and sit at the lowest place, he says. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. These invitees were jostling for position, and Jesus notices it. Friends, Jesus teaches this thing around the table to these guys. He reminds them that there will be often a shame that comes to you if, if you try to promote yourself. Friends, around the table, it's not about who gets the last word in. It's not about who sits at the right place. Jesus says, rather take a low position and allow God to exalt you. And this doesn't just work around the table. It works everywhere for every part of life. You see, friends, when God exalts you, it comes with joy and peace, not with shame. And we've got to remember this, God exalts. I love this text in Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7. It says, no one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves. It is God who judges. He brings down one and exalts another. Friends, promotion that doesn't come from God comes with trouble. Because what you strive to do to get there, you've now got to maintain in your own strength. But when there's something wonderful and very, very powerful, when somebody is content and they're secure and they allow God to promote them 
And knowing that God put me here, I don't have to defend my position at all. He says to him, don't, don't, don't go there, just sit here, be humble. And guess what? If you are the most important person in the room, the friend will, the guy will come and say, come and sit here next to me. Then everybody's like, oh yeah, humble guy. Friends, we've got to learn to be content and secure around the table. Even when we have opinions that are not our own. Even we having opinions around the table that you don't agree with. You don't have to win an argument. It's not about being right. Jesus has an ability to, to state his case in love and to leave it there and to challenge the hearts of people. It's part of the skills we've got to learn when, we, when we're having moments around the table with, other, with different kinds of people. You don't win an argument with a bigger weapon armed to the teeth. It doesn't change anybody. It's certainly not going to change their hearts. And Jesus teaches us here how to, how we, how we kind of live around this table. And of course, what you can do is you can, with spiritual pride, go and always take the lowest seat. But even God knows that. Be falsely humble. Oh, no, 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 it's, I'll just sit here. Yeah, just sit and then wait for people to Either way, you can fall off the horse. The point is this. When you're around the table, be humble. When we're around the table, allow God to do, take the posture of a servant. Jesus was our example of this. Although he was God, he put that aside and did the job of a servant. And that's what he expects his church to. See, the table skills we need to learn from that little moment is Eat last. Dish up last. Don't have the last say. Ask more questions than you have answers. That's how I think we can be humble around the table. Ask questions. Invite people into a conversation rather than dominate them into a position that they're not going to believe anyway. Powerful, eh? Anyway, the next group of people that he goes to while he's sitting at the table, he doesn't want to leave anybody out. Jesus is so considerate. He said to the man in verse 12, he said to the man who had invited him now. So now he's talking to the host. He's spoke, he spoken to the Pharisees, who were kind of, uh, was a leader of the Pharisees, that was, but he's spoken, he's addressed the religious issue. Now he's spoken to those that were invited, the guests. Now he's going to speak to the host. And he says to him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Because they cannot repay you. The reason why you will be blessed is they cannot repay you. The implication, friends, is that God will. And God, I'd rather get repaid by God than the person I invited who's got nothing anyway. I'd rather be repaid by God in whatever form is best for me. And he goes on to say, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just or of the righteous. Maybe the payment is not even in this time. Maybe it's when we go to be with him. So he says this to the 
says this to the, the host. Be careful how you choose who comes to your party. Don't have pride in your guest list. Because actually what you're doing by having pride in your guest list is you're actually just showing off. It's all about you. It's not about them. You're not serving them. They're serving you. You're using them. And obviously it's not wrong to invite friends and family around your table. Jesus is not saying don't invite friends and family around. He's just saying don't use people, serve them. And don't only invite friends and family around. Invite others around. Invite other people. Be hospitable. Love the other. Use that opportunity to draw others into the kingdom of God. Because you see, people can't see God, but they can see you. And they can see your home, and they can see your family, and they can see your friends. And when they come in around the table with you and your friends, they somehow can find God. So he says, what's your guest list? Wouldn't it be nice when we have our friends and our family around just to take moments where we deliberately invite people that, are, that we don't know God. Or people that we don't know. Maybe they, they do know God. They're in the life of the church. But you, you've never met them before. I, we had such an amazing dinner last night with, with friends. Who we know pretty well. But there was part of their story I didn't know at all. And I thought, amazing. I've known these people for so long. And I didn't know that. Because I wasn't around in the, at the station at the time. What a blessing. But friends, we've got to learn that our guest, our guest list, let, give our guest lists over to God and say, God, who? Who needs, who needs this now? And then serve them. Serve them as best as you can. You'll be blessed because they cannot repay you. You see, the joy of giving a gift that cannot be replayed is a spiritual kingdom thing. That's why Jesus says it's more blessed to receive, to give than to receive. It's like God repays you. To wait on the repayment of God, to know that actually God has seen this and what I've sown, he will, we will reap. Because God, because God cannot be mocked. What you sow, you reap. He goes on to say, but you, and you'll be paid and repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Living with an eternal perspective. Have you ever thought the people you invite around for dinner has a bearing on your eternity? Somehow. Like there's a moment there where we interact with people and we, particularly around the table, not just around the table. It's a very powerful, powerful moment that we can have around the table. The table skill there is be warm. Be hospitable. 
Don't be scared of strangers. Love strangers. Maybe you could be entertaining an angel, the scriptures say. Be generous. Use your table as a means to reach out to your neighbors and the nations. Use your table. It's an unthreatening, non-threatening moment to invite neighbors around and just ask God to be there. Even if you don't even ever speak about Jesus. But allow the presence of God to saturate that space so that when they walk away, they know there's something different there. And then lastly, Jesus speaks to the clever guy. You know what happens at, a, at every kind of table? There's always that one guy that kind of is more spiritual than everybody else and knows better than everybody else. And kind of it's been a little bit tense talking to the Pharisees, talking to the, invite the guests, and now addressing the host. I mean, the host's the most important. Now, Jesus has just spoken to the host. And he's kind of wanting to dial it down a little, just to kind of make it a little bit more, you know, ease the tension a little bit. This is what happens in verse 15. When one of those who reclined at the table, so somebody that was sitting there, heard these things, he said, he said to him, he said to Jesus, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. I think, the, I think the emphasis there might have been on everyone. But blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God, which is a theological thing. We, there was an anticipation of the Messiah, banquet with the Messiah, the wedding feast of the Lamb that would come, and everybody that would eat that would be, would be blessed. And it's almost like this guy saying, yeah, yeah, I mean the hosts and guests, and yeah, we have all those things to learn. But you know what? Actually, blessed is everybody that will eat at the kingdom. And you think, well, Jesus, enough's enough now. You don't have to talk into that. We've said enough. Not. Jesus now comes and he said, but he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at that time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I bought a, a five oxen. I need to examine them. Please excuse me. And to the other said, I've just been married and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. The ma the, then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes and the city and bring in all the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, what, what you command has been done. There is still room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who invited shall taste of the banquet. He's like punching this guy in the face. He's like, yeah, but blessed everybody is going to eat. Jesus says, you know what? It's one thing to be invited. It's another thing to respond to the invitation. I'm sitting here and you're not responding to me. And he tells the story of all those that wouldn't respond because of stupid excuses. Who buys a field and oxen without seeing them? The purpose of marriage, friends, can I just say, is not for you to dial back in what God has for you, but to step greatly more into what God has for you. That's what marriage enables you to do. And he just puts it right. Are you ready to receive 
what I have for you. He says, go out and compel them. It's, it's strange how little words like that that have, that have so shaken Christianity. That word compel was the evidence that some of the early church people used to command and to coerce people to the Christian faith. This is what Barclay says. It was used as a defense of the inquisition, the thumbscrew, the rack, the threat of death and imprisonment and the campaigns against heretics, heretics, all those things which are the shame of Christianity, that word compel. So they'd say, you've got to compel them. Okay, let's go and take them all out if they don't listen. That's obviously not what God is saying here. God is saying, get out into the streets and urge them. Get out into the streets and show them that there's a banquet that's free. You come for free. You eat as much as you like for free. But respond to the invitation. Respond to what God is calling over us. Speaking to us. God wants a full house. There's plenty of room. Go and invite more. It's amazing the thing is that a church never gets full. The body of Christ is never full. There's always more people to respond to the invitation. And I want to say to us this year, as we move into what God has for us, we need to be urging and compelling people to come and eat at the table of Jesus. Come and eat at the table of Jesus. There's power, there's life, there's love, there's care at that table. And it's a table of diversity. It's a table, it's a table of others. It's a table of strangers. But in all of it, there's Jesus at the table, which makes it absolutely beautiful. What's the table skill? There's always place for one more. Even if, the ta- even if the cups and the cutlery and the plates don't match. Use paper plates, but have one more. Have one more than you think you can have. And let Jesus minister to people. Let Jesus use your table. Let Jesus use your house. Let Jesus use your heart and your hands to touch the lives of people. Second table skill I think I can get from there is work with those that come and don't be too overly overwhelmed and concerned with those that don't want to come. You know what happens, friends, especially church leaders are like this. We, all, we see all the people that are not there rather than see all the people that are there and minister to them. And the same, friends, your home groups. You're having your home group. Oh, sorry, my, my granny's toenail fell out and I can't come. I've got to minister to her. I've got to put a Band-Aid on. Sorry, I can't come. You're thinking, what a dumb excuse. Lord, what happened? What am I doing this for? Don't worry. I'm not saying forget them. We've got to draw them in. We've got to keep them in. But let allow God to minister to those that do come. Maybe it's just one. That God also orchestrates for you to minister powerfully to one at that moment. And lastly, following Jesus requires a response. Friends, we need to respond to what God's invitation is over our lives. God cannot do anything with you. He will not force you to do anything. Nothing. He invites you. He draws you. If we do not respond... And we dig our heels in and say, God, I will not forgive. I will not go there. 
I will not. That person did this. God can't stop eating at the table. Following Jesus always requires a response. It's a faith response. God, you've spoken. I'm stepping out. And I pray this year, whether you're the guest, whether you're the host, or whether you're the clever guy that thinks you know everything, God wants to use you and invite you to the table. Let us be people. Let us be a people that has people around our tables. Friends, you don't have to ask permission to invite people to supper from anybody. It's your priestly service to do that. It's what Jesus did. He ministered around tables. And let's trust this year that we would grow our number of tables and we would grow the people around our tables, which would mean our church Sunday services would grow, rather than trying to grow Sunday services and trying to get them around tables. Because the people of God, the saints, the holy ones, are doing what they're called to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Christ Lord. Bought and paid for by your blood, Jesus. Help us to walk into everything you have for us this year. Help us to walk into new inheritance, more things, greater battles, greater things, greater victories. More, Lord God. I pray for businesses that you would just explode them this year, Lord God. Those that are earning commission, those that are run their own business, Father, just explode them with your life this year, Lord God. I pray for moms and dads as we minister to kids, Father, that they, our children will be full of you and let them be around the table, Lord. Let them learn around the table with our invited guests, Lord God. Learn, teach them good table skills, not just good table manners. We ask you, Lord God, we want to see your church grow from the inside out, Lord. We're not going on a church growth thing. We're going on a people growth thing. Father, we want to see your people grow, Lord, in holiness, in stature, in, in, in confidence to minister, in boldness, in courage. Wherever they are, in the workplace, at home, wherever they are with their families, I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys.